All topics covered here are for conversational purposes only and do not constitute financial advice. Please contact Mulcane Co. to receive advice on all matters from one of our professionals. Welcome back, listeners, to the FS360, the Financial Security 360 podcast, brought to you by Mulcane Co., uh, I'm your host, Gavin Nash, um, and today I'm joined by uh, expert podcaster, Danny Archer. G'day, Danny. Good afternoon, Gavin. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. So this is our second episode, Danny, for 2022. Uh, we had Warren Freeman on last week. Um, his business, Cos I'm Free, has joined the Geelong office with you down here, mate. We're recording this in Geelong, sunny Geelong. It's always sunny in Geelong. Um but, uh, yeah, so the guys have moved into the office here, so it's, it's starting to fill up a little bit, isn't it? It is, yeah. Warren's team, um, they actually came with a fair few, over 10. So the office got very, very full very, very quickly, which is good. So a bit of a buzz around and um, very good business, very good reputation. Um, we've already seen them work, so very happy to have them on board. Yeah, nice one. So, yeah, that's a, uh, our previous episode, guys, episode 38, we speak to Warren about um, Cosine Free Home Loans and how they joined the Mulcahy Group down at the Geelong office here. So, um, And nice new offices here too, Danny. So we've sort of moved into new offices, 35 Gordon Avenue in Geelong West, right near Packington Street, right near the train station. It's a beautiful spot, isn't it? It's perfect. You couldn't ask for a better one. It's really flash. Yeah, nice one. And you're, and we're happy to announce actually on today's podcast that you're our full-time uh, financial advisor in the Geelong office. So congratulations, mate. Thank you, Gav. Yeah, so um, it is nice to to be in the Geelong office full-time and now the Mulcahy Co Group do have a full-time financial planning presence here rather than me being split between a couple of offices. So um, based on the fact that, yeah, we have sort of grown quite quickly, you know, merging with other businesses um, and whatnot, there is just enough enough of a demand um, to have me here full time, which which works for me. So I'm very, very fortunate and very happy. Absolutely. And you're only half a block to your favourite restaurant. Folklore. 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 Which has got a run in a in a previous <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, it's dangerous. It, for the listeners, it, it is probably three or four buildings away. So, Oh, man. I um, went up there for lunch today. Like this is where we're recording this, listeners, at three o'clock in the afternoon. I went up there for lunch today. They weren't quite open. So they must not open for lunch some days. But yeah, I was they, actually thinking about those um, spring rolls. They've been ravaged by COVID, so they're oh, staff they numbers. So they are, they're open for dinner. Un- oh, well, unfortunately, enough. but also fortunate in that we don't go there on a Friday and um, have a long lunch. Yeah, so, fair because enough. Because that, that has happened in the past. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so Folklore Guys on Packington Street in Geelong. Free West. plug for it's them. Yeah, free plug for the guys. They're awesome. So it's a... Uh, little shipping container set up at the end of the street. So, now, great, Danny. Well, thanks for joining me today. We've um, got uh, episode 39, guys, is about an uh, article that you've published on our website in the last week called Investment Bonds. What are they and how can they be useful? So, it's a um, – investment bonds have been around for a while, but they're becoming more popular. They are, yeah. So, the investment bond has been around for a fair while by way of just a financial product. The the providers of the bond have – you know, in, in, in previous well, recent years, they've really sharpened their pencils a little bit on what the service offering actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, people are becoming a lot more aware of what they are. The knock on them is that they are a little bit complex. They're a bit confusing, which there are some new rules to, to learn when you do go down the investment bond path. There's no two ways about that. But like superannuation or like, you know, a company or a trust, they all have a different rules because they're a different entity. So, mm. you know, the optimist out there just goes, okay, how can I take advantage of them? Um, and that's that's what that's what the the article was about because late last year I actually um I I saw a, you know a fair few new clients who as the um as the the title of the the blog suggests you know I've I've heard of these or you know one of them was a, re- a referral from a friend and I want to set up some, a little investment for my for my child so I've heard that they're good 
roughly just you know around the traps here to the ground kind of thing um can you help me with it and that's one of the one of the really good good uses of a bond nice one so they're particularly i suppose anyone can use them because they're an investment of, of of sorts just like any other investment but the investment bond's particularly good over a period of time isn't it so people looking at maybe you've got a child at birth or you know before they go to school um, you know, there's quite a lot of scholarship schemes going around where you can sort of put money away for their education or a private school or university. Or you may want to put away money for when they turn 21 and they might be thinking about property themselves, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So is that sort of, the, you know, is that sort of where investment bonds can be good? Yeah, that's where they really hold their full value. They, they are a long-term investment vehicle to really optimise um, their tax advantages for. Mainly, that, that's why they are quite good when you are investing for your child's future. There are a lot of tax advantages by way of income production, who declares the income while you've got the bond, and also um, by way of when you transfer the bond to the intended beneficiary down the track, whether it's your child at their 18th or 21st, there are some really big capital gains tax advantages that I don't know any other product out there that offer. So um, they're kind of a unicorn in that regard. Okay, nice one. And why do you think that, I mean, is there a reason why they haven't been overly popular until, like, you know, you, you were sort of saying off air that they've been popular in the last sort of five years or so. Is there a reason, has anything changed or is it sort of laws changed or anything or is it just they're becoming sort of a bit more popular for different reasons? Uh, I think it's more the complexity around the marketing of them because they haven't really been, you know, as I said at the start of the pod, there, there are a few new rules and, and regulations and whatnot that you do need to understand when you go down the investment bond path. And they have been a little bit complex um, to sort of to digest the information around them. Yep. And the providers of them have, I think, become a lot better at that. that that's my personal opinion. Okay. By way of a lot of things changing, if you look talking about the intricate details of a contract or whatnot, I'm not too sure. I know as a general rule, um, you know, a bond, an investment bond is actually part of a life insurance contract. That's the, the key distinction. So if you think of if you've got, and we, the, one of the more recent podcasts we did was about insurances. So mm, our listeners out there, if you do have something like a life or, or a total and permanent disablement contract, um, there are two sort of factors or two, two dimensions of it. One is the policy owner and then one is the life insured. So in a bond perspective, if I were to start one for my child, for example, I would be the, the, the policy owner, as in so I, I control it effectively. I would also be the life insured and my, my kid would be the life insured or the beneficiary in this regard yep. so that that's where you can set the the what's called the future event transfer date and at their 18th or the 21st birthday as they're the beneficiary they then literally um have access to the proceeds within the bond yep. and that's how it can pass through generations or from one person to another without the capital gains tax event because it's more of a life insurance contract than it is an investment contract which i think is what stem where there were the confusion and the complexity around them stems from because you know people initially think you know life insurance providers have sort of copped a bad rap over the journey of you know doing the wrong thing by their clients and as soon as somebody hears of of a a new fancy product out there that is part of a life insurance contract you think oh this is just another one of those schemes that this person's going to make a dollar out of me um but i can sort of you know reveal to our listeners out there and anybody else that investment bonds are, are not quite that so so, and as you say, they are, there's its complexity to them to make sure that you're using them in the right way for your best possible financial outcome, um, which is, you know, we always remind listeners, Danny, that, you know, come and see the professionals, you know, because we're, our financial planning department here at Molkanko are going to have all of that stuff in hand um, and the knowledge around uh, what to do and how to do it 
to best because everyone's as we often say on this podcast everyone's situation is slightly different so there's never a you know category a b or c investment bond you know there might be quite a few different ways that you can make it work for you but maybe danny run us through some of the um some of the uh overall benefits of why you would do an investment bond in the first place yep no worries so as I said, they are part of a you know a life insurance contract, but they are also very sim- similar to superannuation in that its own separate uh, legal entity, a bit like a company or a trust as well, and it also has its own um, mandated tax rate into um, that that the, the the bond pays inside itself effectively. So, I like to call it as a bit of a hybrid between an insurance contract and a superannuation fund. So, one of the main benefits is the income and growth that the bond generates. It's not distributed to the investors automatically. You've got to ask for it to be withdrawn to you. So what this means that the money stays inside the the bond environment and the bond environment has a maximum tax rate of 30%. So for those out there in Australia, we have our marginal tax rate system where it's, you know, 18, 32, 37, 45% plus Medicare of two. So anyone whose marginal tax rate is 30.5% and above is better off by investing through an investment bond um, from that point of view. Also, similar to super, but a bit contrary to it as well, there are certain caps, but in the first year when you start an investment bond, there is effectively no contribution cap. You can put as much or as little as you like, whereas super, there's certain caps that you can't put any more in than what the caps are in any given financial year. So the investor has the flexibility that if you know they're coming to a windfall or even if there's a couple of grand, whatever they might want to put in, or they um, might have got an uh, inheritance or yeah, something. Yeah, anything like say, that. windfall could be an inheritance from a grandparent or something like that. Yeah. So you can put as much or as little into the bond um, to start with. Sure. Um, and you were saying that there's a there's a 125% rule, Danny, where, you know, let's put, say, you put in you know, $10,000 in year one um, and you want to contribute each year, you know, over the next 18 years, let's say it's for a child. Um, just explain that 125% rule to us. Yep, so... In my mind, the 125% rule is the most complex part of a bond to um, to understand. So as you said, Gabe, we'll use your example. If you invest $10,000 in the bond in the first year of it, you can only invest 125% of that amount in the next year. So in our case, it's $12,500. Mm-hmm. That's where the, that's where the cap pl- uh, does come into play. The reason why I say there's effectively no cap is you can put as much or as little as you like in that first year. So you effectively control your own 125% rule. So to start it off in year one, you can put whatever amount you want, but in year two, you can only do 125% or in year three, you can only do 125% of what you contributed in year two. Correct. Yeah. And if if let's say, you know, um, 125% of the current year is, is 12 and a half grand, that's your cap, but you only put in five grand because for whatever reason, that's all that's available. It's not right or wrong. Cash flow or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Then your 125% rule is then used, is then... Um, um, in reference to that new $5,000. For the following year. Yeah. Yep. So the easiest way to, to think about it is whatever I make in one year, I can only contribute 125% of that figure in the, the next year. Yep, sure. If you do breach it, and we'll get into the, the tax reasons later, if you do breach the 125% rule four years in, it just resets sort of thing. So then your 125% rule effectively starts again. Yep, sure. Okay. So it's um a long... If this is um, getting technical for some listeners, you know, the idea, I suppose, is that we have got financial planners in all of our offices, so who are licensed to look into this stuff for you. So we're, we're going to 
push on because there's some really good things to cover. And Danny, you've got a really good um, case study to run, run us through at the end as well. But you were saying that um, uh, potentially, apart from that marginal tax rate, one of the other big benefits is um, creditor protection. Just run us through what, what that means. Yeah, so again, um, the exact legal um, uh, description of it, I'm not quite sure of. Um, you have to get one of the lawyer guys in. But because of the fact that it's a life insurance contract and a bit like superannuation, if you were to go bankrupt or anything like in, that. Say in your small business or something, yeah, and you're running into some financial yeah, hardship. Yeah, anything. So small business is a big one. If you're a business owner and um, you've got a business loan as well as a home loan, all those sort of things, you, you, you're carrying a bit more risk than the average person. Yep. Um, a bit like super, the money that's in your your bond is off the table from a creditor point of view um, okay. from a bank, for example. Right. So. Yep. That's one of the aspects of a bond that I think is, is quite appealing to a lot of people. So you can have an investment here that if, if your business goes bankrupt and they take your house or they take your business premises or your, your business vehicles or whatever to pay back debts, Correct. They, ca- they can't touch the bond. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So um, that's a really Under big the one. Bankruptcy Act. Yeah, that's a, that's a big protected. one, isn't it? So, so far we've gone through you know the marginal tax rate. Um, for any, Really anyone over sort of 60 grand a year is going to be paying more than that 30%. Um, it's beneficial for that. It's beneficial for creditor protection. And the third one you spoke about was capital gains tax. Just explain how that works. Danny. Yeah, so the reason why the 125% rule is in play is um, that's that's to do with the withdrawal. So we'll get into that down the track. So you can withdraw money in there. It's very tax advantageous. But um, I think, and particularly about the, the question at the start of the blog, is you, how, how do people invest for their children? What's, what's the best way to do it? An investment bond is very, very good in that you can what's called set a future event transfer date, which is nothing more complicated than you pick a date in the future where the bond transfers from ownership from yourself to your child, for example. It can transfer completely tax-free from me to my child. So if if I put $100,000 in my bond and it's grown to $500,000 over 20 years, for example, that $400,000 gain inside the bond transfers completely tax-free. Right. At which point, little Jimmy, my child, they have access to that bond potentially tax-free as well. They can withdraw the whole amount tomorrow and go and buy whatever they want to buy with it. Hopefully they don't, unless it's a wise decision. Um, potentially tax-free. So again, Perfect. unlike anything else that I know of. So the alternative is, you know, shares, bank accounts, ETFs, all of those sort of things. Depending on how they're owned, if they're transferred from me to somebody else, my child, again, for, for an example... That triggers a capital gain event even if we don't sell it to cash. Just the transfer of ownership is yep. enough for the tax office to go, well, there's a paper gain there is what they call it. And look, if it was property, it'd be stamp duty. So, you know, All there's, that. there's a lot of different bits and pieces. Always always say with property, especially, there's always hands in that pie. Like there's Correct. there's legal, there's, you know, agents, there's you know, the tax office. So, yeah, this is a way of transferring sort of wealth of some kind to a family member over time but with no capital gains tax at all. Correct, because the, the bond is its own separate legal entity and then inside the bond, so again, think of it like super like a platform or, or an environment, yep. inside of that you can have a whole range of different investment options. So you can have, if you want, just a bank account in it if you wanted to, you can have shares, you can have ETFs, you can have managed funds, index funds, all different products that we've discussed in the podcast before, but I'm painting the picture that your investment selection choice is quite broad. So there, you know, there is, um, you know, you're not isolated to four or five or six like some of the industry funds out there give you only five or six investment options. So you don't have a great deal of choice. What if none of them suit you, or what if none of them appeal to you? Well, 
you, you, you kind of got no other alternative. But with a bond, depending on the provider, the one that we tend to use, there's about 50 to 60 different um, investment options. Again, we're not going, this is, this is not um, financial advice, but all the names that, you know, people may have heard before. So we're talking MLC, Magellan, Vanguard, all of those products at Perpetual, Platinum, all of those products that um, are pretty sort of topical in the financial financial um, planning and investing universe out there. Yeah, nice one. So there's some real like if we yeah if we, if we sort of reflect over those three adva- advantages really for investment bonds is that marginal tax rate about thirty percent marginal tax rate. You've got a creditor protection in case something goes pear shaped with your business and you end up in bankruptcy, and then that capital gains windfall um, when you transfer ownership. So there's three. Well, really good reason. Sometimes you only need one good reason, Danny, to invest in something. So there's three good reasons um, straight away that we can sort of come up with for investment bonds. So, and then the, the, circling back to why the um, 125% rule rule is relevant is again unlike super. So it's it is similar to super, but it also is unlike super in, in a lot of good ways. Is you have complete access to the bond whenever you need it. Yep. So what the 125% rule means if you follow that rule for a 10 year period in the 11th year you can withdraw every cent in the bond and and pay zero tax on it so again if you put 100 grand in and in the 11th year it's grown to $200,000 mm-hmm. and you've abided by the 125% rule all along that t- that $100,000 capital gain is completely tax free to the investor the reason why is a couple of reasons. You know, you've kept something in play for eleven years, so that's a good thing. That takes that takes, you know, discipline. patience first and foremost, and discipline, <laughs> discipline. and whatnot. Yeah. The bond provider's happy because you know they've been paid along the way, um, and the, the tax office is happy as well because the bond providers pay tax on your behalf, etc. Um, and that's how that's how you can really maximise accessing the bond ahead of time if you ever needed to. Um, if you withdraw money from the bond within the first eight years of it. You do have to pay some tax on the gain, but you also receive a 30% tax offset because that's what the bonds already pay tax on, a bit like super as yeah, well. Yeah, paid it along the way already. So yeah. if your tax rate is you know below that or even above it, they're paying either most of or all your tax on your behalf. But again, as I said before, if you have the investment options inside the bond set in a certain way, you might only be paying tax at only 5 or 10% within the bond if you've got a lot of Australian shares, for example. So... You're ahead in a lot of ways. You know, you're only paying your effective rates five or ten percent. They're paying the ATO thirty. So if you withdraw in the first eight years, you do get an offset, but you haven't even incurred that tax. You've only been paying. So you're ahead in, in that in that uh, way again. So nearly every way you look at an investment bond, other than the the hundred twenty five percent rule complexity, but again for those out there, it's just as simple as you can only contribute one hundred twenty five percent in this financial year of what you did last year. And the provider will tell you what that figure is. Yep. So it's completely transparent. Other than getting your head around that, it's a no-brainer to, to really use them um, in a lot of different lot of different circumstances. And I do have a bit of a case study that will tick off pretty much all of the benefits um, over over the child's sort of 18 to 21-year year lifestyle, which we'll, we'll touch on later on. Absolutely. I think, um, the, as you say, the benefit is that if it's superannuation and you're putting money into your super, which is fine, it's great, it's good, we've spoken about this in the past, Yep. but it is only accessible once you hit a certain age, you know, so, and that could be 30 years in the future, it could be 40 years in the future, whereas this, you can access it if there's an emergency, you'll pay some tax. If you can wait the 10 years, you get the capital gain. Free. Gains free. 
um, and you can leave it in even longer and, you know, enjoy those capital gains even longer. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting from a few different points. Yeah, exactly. And for those out there, if you want a little bit more information about withdrawing money from it, um, you know, ahead of the eight or nine or 10 or even 11 years, we'll get into the more detail that suits your your personal circumstance. But I guess the, the summary is 11 years plus tax-free regardless, which is, which is gold, clearly. Yeah. Um, but again, accessing it before then, you are going to get a lot of tax advantages that no other environment I know will really give yeah. So, so you don't get you don't get a big whack like a big punishment for getting in there at six years if something goes pear shaped. You need to access the money because so. the ATO have already received their thirty percent along the way. Yeah, they're happy. So could, because the provider have paid that to them, but you can be clever and not not actually your your particular bond can pay less tax than what the, they're actually paying to the ATO. So you can arbitrage it a little bit if you're yeah. clever. Yeah, nice one. So Danny, you mentioned that, um, and I like. Uh, case studies because I just think they're yep. a really easy way for people to understand and put themselves in the same situation, especially on a complex. A re- like I won't say investment bonds is an overly complex situation, but as you say, it hasn't been overly popular, so people aren't necessarily uh, listeners out there probably aren't overly familiar with it. So you're going to run us through a um, a bit of a detailed case study. Yeah, I will. I'll to help you explain. Now. Yep. So always sort of bring the theory into a practical case study to to better understand it. So. I'll run through it now. So we've got a couple who earn $90,000 each. They've just had a child, Jimmy, and they're in a position where they would like to save for Jimmy's future. They don't have an exact amount or age in mind where they would like to give him anything. They just want the flexibility that they're saving for his future um, and they they sort of want want to be able to do it in the most tax-effective and stress-free way with the aid of flexibility. Their concerns are, you know, what tax consequences could they potentially face down the track? Most people know what capital gains tax is, so they're, they're obviously wary to try and avoid as much of that as they can. And what kind of asset class do they invest in? You know, is it cash or a basket of shares? Um, also, mum and dad run a small business, which is going well now, um, but they don't want any business issues down the track jeopardising Jimmy's future. They don't want to have to dig into that to help them, you know, get the business out of trouble if they ever have to, because that's for him. That's the whole point of it. Absolutely. Um, the biggest issue they obviously have now with cash is the poor return. Now, we're in a very low rate environment at the moment, but even over a 20-year period, the cash rate at the moment is likely to increase. Um, when and how much is anyone's guess, and the interest will always be taxable to whoever owns it. So remember the bond, whatever return it, um, it generates per year, you don't declare it on your, on your tax return until you potentially withdraw the money. Interest in the bank you do in the financial year that it pays you. And then as well with shares... Um, there's the potential shares and ETF. Sorry, there's the potential to, to generate higher returns over the long term, but like cash, dividends are taxable. They are more tax advantageous than interest, but there is still tax to pay, um, and there could be a significant CGT event. You know, by the time Jimmy's 18, 20, we're, we're talking a very long investment time frame. Yep. Um. So you know, those shares could have doubled or tripled in that time. So a big CGT event. Now, an investment bond, in my mind, will be perfect in this situation and for the following reasons now this is sort of um you know a a pretty a pretty outlandish um case study just to tick off on every single potential benefit that i can think of yeah it might not be relevant for every you might do this for every single situation but it's just to prove that your family situation always changes you know life gets in the way and and plans don't always eventuate how a bond can help you in those situations so so mum and dad commenced an investment bond today um, on behalf of Jimmy. It's owned by either of them. It doesn't matter who it's owned by. And there's a future event transfer date set. 
to whenever they wish. Now, let's assume that they want to buy Jimmy a car when he turns 18, so they nominate his 18th birthday. Pretty straightforward. This date is by no means locked in. Now, that's also important to know. You can change that whenever you like. Because just like in, in life, um, Daniel, I've had kids go through this age, but yep. some, some are ready at 18 to invest in property. You know, Some might want to invest in something at 21. Some might not want to invest anything or they might not be mature enough to invest until they're 25. So, yeah, th- that date being flexible is really good. So, yeah, it's, it's by no means locked in. And if for, for whatever reason possible – Mum and Dad determine it's not quite right for Jimmy to receive the money. They can simply extend it to whatever date they like. Now, typically, it's between 18 to 25, but one of the benefits of the bond is you can choose any date you want. Yep. And you can also choose percentages. So you can choose, I want Jimmy to have 20% at 18, 20% at 21, and 60% at 25. Okay. You can do it's that. So you can, yeah. yeah. So you can stagger it a little bit too. To say, oh, 20% might be enough to help him with a car. With a car. Perfect. 21 might be a holiday. And then by 25, maybe he's looking at some property. Something yeah. like Exactly. So yeah. again, another another flexible benefit. I want to be Jimmy, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy's a lucky <laughs> Someone's boy. Someone's giving me free money. <laughs> Jimmy's a lucky boy. So mum and dad have the ability to contribute as much or as little as they like um, in the first seven years of the bond, really, because assuming they want him to have access to it at 18. They need to adhere to the 125% rule for 10 years to have it tax-free at the 11th year. Yep. Therefore, the first seven years, they don't really have to abide by it. As I said, there's no real um, consequences other than that 10-year rule just starts again every time you break it. So if you, you, know, if you don't have the need to access it um, you know, within 10 years, there's no point in really abiding by it. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, there? Yeah. So, so the first seven years, for example, in this situation where there's a child and you, and you, you know, one income, you go down to one income Correct, for a while because yep. there's, you know, someone at home looking after Jimmy. Um, the amount you put in for the first seven years might fluctuate. There might be very little some years and heaps of the next year and whatever. Um, but you're saying sort of by the time he's about seven, time is to start the 10 gear. years because then by the time he's 18, then we can take the capital gains advantage. And a common way that, you know, you might breach it is deliberately, you know. Unfortunately, people get old and, and you know, your, your parents will eventually pass and you'll come into an inheritance. Part of their will and testament may be to give Jimmy some money. Now, in year four, he may be given 100 grand, which could be a lot more than 125% of the previous year. So mm. it might well be the best idea for mum and dad to put it in Jimmy's bond knowing they're going to break it, but knowing that it doesn't really matter because um, as long as they, they, all they really need to do is follow the 125% rule for the last 10 years, um, leading up to the ideal future event transfer date, if they want to maximise it. Um, and the bond provider also tells you the exact figure you buy by way of a dollar figure as well. So you're always kept in the know in that regard. So all income earned within the bond is taxed at a maximum rate of 30%, which for mum and dad, who, um, you know, they're winning because their income is $90,000, so therefore their tax rate's higher than 30%. So they're ahead there. And then as we've invested their bond in mainly Australian shares, um, which sort of look to provide tax-effective income, the actual tax rate's closer to that 15 18%. So that's another win for them. So they're, they're, their rate's closer to, you know, mid-30s to 40. The bond's only paying tax at, you know, mid-15s. So this makes um, the bond environment even more favourable to mum and dad moving forward. However, you know, when Jimmy's 10, mum and dad's business fails, creditors come knocking and they go bankrupt, unfortunately. The 
beautiful part about the bond is in an unfortunate situation, all of its proceeds are protected in this instance. So they don't need to dip into that if they don't have to. Yeah, to they, pay off a they can use or it, something else. Yeah. So yeah. they can use it if they want. Again, the flexibility. But it doesn't form part of their, their um, you know, assets that are up for grabs. Yep. So again, for a lot of our business owners, that's a win. It's a good one. Absolutely. Now, also mum and dad changed their mind and they want him to attend a private school. As we know, Gavin, with private school comes at a cost. I know all about it. <laughs> Therefore, mum and dad <laughs> are able to withdraw funds from the bond to help pay for Jimmy's education. Now, ideally the plan was for 18 or 21 or 25, but times change, life changes, goals change. Yep. Unlike superannuation, they can access this to pay for that. So again, without the bond, that option mightn't have even been on the table for them. With yep. it there, though, they actually... Let's say the bond's gone well. There's a bit more here than we thought. Like we're sort of doing our calculations. By the time he's 21, he's going to have more than he probably needs, really, because so let's dip into a bit now and help us correct. pay the school fees. Pay yeah. the you know because difference between private and public's 20, 30, 40 grand sometimes. So that's a fair bit. So the bonds help paid for that, which is obviously great. Um, even if the 125% rule isn't met, you're still getting a lot of tax advantages by way of that offset that you do. That the, um, that the bond earnings um, give you. So another win. The bond basically pays for a lot of the education proceeds down the track. You can also use the bond to pay for things like holidays, anything else, the accessibility features always there. Now, as Jimmy starts to near 18, unfortunately he started on a path of gambling, which has quickly become an addiction. So with the right strategies and help in place, um, by the time Jimmy's 21, mum and dad believe that he's passed all of that. You know, he's gone and got himself fixed because we know an addiction is, is a serious thing some help and that's no longer a risk anymore um, and they believe that he's now ready to be gifted the bond at 21 not at 18 so what you were saying before effectively jimmy wasn't mature enough or he just wasn't ready to so part of again the flexibility they didn't have to give it to him then they postponed it down the track yep so in that the balance of the bond has more than doubled in capital growth which for mum, dad and Jimmy is absolutely no issue at all because there's no capital gains tax payable on transferring the bond from them to him. So therefore, for Jimmy's 21st birthday, he receives a bond and he puts that towards a house deposit. So throughout Jimmy's life and mum and dad's life, there's been some ups and downs, sideways, and even just some, some planned and unforeseen things like yep. you know, the, the, the bankruptcy, bankruptcy or the plan. Okay, no, we're happy to change to, to, go, to, to go to private school. And so even the inheritance, you know, if there was a lump sum for the inheritance. So a lot of this changes. stuff can happen and you're not sure when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen. So the fact that it's flexible is a real big win, isn't it? Correct. So throughout their life, the benefits of using the bond have obviously proved themselves time and time again for the family. They've been able to use it when they needed to and at certain times they've been able to hide it from nasties out there. Um, so they've been able to adapt to situations that were planned, unforeseen, which is always a part of life. So that's my case study. Um, As I you said at the start, it's an extreme case study because the, you know, we've thrown in a lot of stuff or you've thrown a lot of yeah. stuff in there that potentially could happen. Deliberately. But it's a great way to, to actually show, well, this is life. Life is reasonably complex over an 18-year period, especially yep. with children. So, But it does show you that you know there's some bits and large things can happen, like bankruptcy, like inheritance, like yep. private school, but the investment bond can sort of be flexible enough to work with you. And then another one too is, what if you have two or three or four kids? Yeah. Well, the easy, you know, the question is, do I just put more into the initial bond? But then, you know, how do you separate it down the track? All those yeah. sort of things. You can have hundred of hundreds of these if you wanted to. So, yeah, yeah. if you wanted to have a hundred kids, you could literally open up a bond for each child. Yep. Yeah. And again, same benefits apply. Yep. Yeah, um, 
So and very suppose, flexible in that regard as well. And today we've given the example and spoken a lot about you know, children because you know, it's, a, it's a pretty popular kind of thing, I suppose, that people would like to put money away while the kids are small for when they're older. But the investment bond isn't just around children, is it? You know, you can, this is just, can just be an investment um, strategy for anybody, anybody over a you know, longer period of time. Absolutely. So even extending beyond that, a lot of providers have bonds for different reasons. So some of them are purely for children, which, you know, you've, they, they have to invest in certain time frames, certain ages, because they are for that child. You can do a funeral bond. You can do a lot of a lot of bonds. The most common one is just as we've just said. Um, you know, the way that you, you you determine their flexibility is who owns it and who the beneficiary is. So as I said, you can be the owner and the beneficiary. So if you're looking after your kids, but you're also thinking out that, oh gee, you know, my marginal tax rate is above thirty percent, and some of the benefits here do seem like they would be you know worthwhile, even you know holidays, all that sort of stuff. You, there's no, no there's nothing stopping um, an adult investing in an investment bond for the, for themselves absolutely in fact it's something that I'm pushing quite a bit as just a as just a financial entity out there and I suppose too the, the idea of um, children coming back to that there's a, a lot of other products around isn't there like scholarships and you can you know you can set up a scholarship fund and then pay yep. a certain amount per you know per week or month over the whole you know life of your child until they you know year, start year seven or whatever but I suppose the, the idea of an investment bond is that it's just so flexible. Like there's so many different things you can do with it, whereas say that those scholarship funds, it, it's pretty restricted to yep. what you can do and the dates you can take stuff out. So it's almost, almost like a super fund where you can't do anything until then. You can't, you know, you can't do anything until this date. So, um, so they can be really good from that point of view. But no, I think that, that case study really sort of highlights you know, those three or four benefits that we spoke about. We spoke about marginal tax rate, creditors protection, capital gains tax advantages and then the fact that they're just overall flexible yeah absolutely um, so from a from a tax point of view to to summarize the income and growth is not distributed to investors while the bond's in play if you hold it for more than 10 years you can withdraw the money completely tax-free if you wanted it to if you withdraw ahead of that you are going to pay some tax but still likely a lot less than any other way you can invest um, and if you do transfer it to somebody else that transfer happens completely tax-free there's also the creditor protection, um, which for a lot of people out there is quite good. Yep. You'd be surprised. So yeah, yeah. That, that is the benefit that they like. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, there seems to be a lot of um, advantages to the investment bond, Danny. And as you say, a lot of our listeners out there probably, maybe they've done a bit of reading, maybe they've thought about it, maybe they just didn't understand. So we hope today, today's podcast has given those listeners a little bit of background information on them. Um, we specifically, listeners, haven't gone into too much detail um, about the, the complexities and the legalities. That's probably all for a uh, one-to-one meeting with our advisors yep. here. So um, just because uh, everyone's situation is so different. So, um, And the, the great thing about the financial planning guys here is that they will sort of sit with you and work out a plan for your particular situation. So, But Danny, thanks for today. It was great. No worries, Gav. Thanks for having me again. Investment bonds. And uh, yeah, congratulations to, uh, on your... Um, uh, appointment down here to the Geelong office. Thank you very much. As a full-timer, you're a Geelong man, so it saves you going up and down the highway. And um, yeah, anyone in the Geelong area that wants to come and have a chat to Danny Archer for financial planning, please do so. And um, we'll see you on the next uh, episode, Danny. We will. Thanks, Gav. Look forward to it. All the best. You've been listening to the FS360 podcast brought to you by Mulcahy Co. Financial Security 360 is at the centre of what we do at Mulcahy Co. If you'd like to speak to one of our professionals about a range of individual and business needs, give us a call.